Hey, hey, women in medicine. It's time for Dr. Me First. I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and coach in life. And this is a podcast all about authentic conversations between us, female physicians. Through these conversations, I hope to bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and practice. Because you know what? We all need a little bit refreshment as we go out into our harsh, crazy world. So, There's no reason anymore to feel alone in medicine because you have found a community of truth speakers, lifesavers, and fierce females who are supporting one another. This is episode number 26, and today I'm talking with Dr. Nancy Yin Shipley. She is an orthopedic specialist, but came to medicine in a very non-traditional way. You'll hear about it in our conversation. And the word that she brings today is renaissance woman. Now, I'll explain what I thought when she meant this word and how we got into it, but I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Wiseman coming with yet another episode of Dr. Me First. Today, I am talking with Dr. Nancy Yen Shipley, and she is going to tell you all a little bit about herself and how fabulous that she is. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Um, I am Nancy Yen Shipley. And um, as I was uh, telling Dr. Weissman, it's, it is two words. There is no hyphen. It's super confusing, especially for the airlines. Um, but, it, you know, I, um, I wanted to take my husband's name, but at the same time being the first physician in my family, I really felt strongly about hanging on to my maiden name, which is, which is why the super long last name. But um, I am an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I subspecialize in sports medicine and arthroscopy. I practice in Portland, Oregon. Um, I ended up in the Pacific Northwest kind of um, on a fluke. My husband and I were sort of city shopping as we were getting ready to come out of training. Uh, We're both from California, but wanted to look for something where we had a good mix of outdoor life and a good place to raise a family. We have one son who's almost seven. Uh, And just something where we did not have to fight traffic. Real estate prices were still decent for uh, a larger city. So we ended up here. We've been here in Portland for about seven years. That's amazing. I love it. It is a really hard thing as a female physician to figure out your last name. I had that exact same struggle as well because I'm the same way. I'm the first doctor in my family and it was important. I ended up moving mine to my middle name and so it would still be on my like license and diploma and everything. But I, I think it's because don't you feel like, I mean, that was your name forever and ever. I mean, it's your identity. It's who you are. It is like, let it go. It is. It is. It's hard to let it go. I remember the first time, um, somebody called me Aaron Wiseman, like after I had gotten married, I got married between my second and third year of medical school. So then like, you know, you start rotations third year and they're like doing the roll call. And I think I sat there for about 15 seconds before I was like, Oh shit, that's me. Well, you know, and it's funny, that said, I will answer to Dr. Yen, I will answer to Dr. Shipley, I will answer to Dr. Yen Shipley, so people ask me my preference, especially in the hospital all the time, and I kind of just say, whatever you want. So (laughs) true. Just make sure it's doctor, that's what I always tell them. 
me instead of, hey, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or student or nurse. Just make sure it's doctor. That's my only yes. stipulation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. Well, I think a lot of our listeners probably could um, also go with that fact because I feel like there's a little bit of bias if you keep your maiden name after you're married too. Because then they're like, are you married? And then if you have kids, do the kids take, whose name do they take? And then are you really their mom because you don't have their last name? It, it, I think that also creates confusion. So it's, it's the ongoing struggle, right? As more and more women are, are in medicine. So I do have to say that whenever I'm like writing out Christmas cards, cause that's a big, I love to do that. So I do it every year. I always put Dr. And Mr. Wiseman. <laughs> <laughs> because you can. <laughs> yes, baby. Yes. Or like whenever we get wedding invitations, I'm like, oh no, it's not Mrs. It's doctor. Let's use that official term. So my husband gets a crack out of that. Well, for us, it's a little confusing because we're both doctor, except that he's Dr. Shipley and I'm Dr. Yen Shipley, technically speaking. And so do you say Dr. Shipley and Dr. Yen Shipley or Dr. Half Yen slash Shipley, you know, it's, it's, that's a little confusing. <laughs> it's fun though. It's fun to have those conversations too. And just to see how we're, we all handle it a little bit differently, but in our own ways too, because there is a little processing after you're married to kind of figure out that gray zone. But yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Tell me about the word that you decided to pick for us today to talk about. So, um, I, and like, I clearly I'm a little bit of a rule breaker because it was supposed to be one word. I chose sort of a phrase, which was Renaissance woman. So that was, that was what I submitted as my so-called word. I loved it too, because like at first Renaissance woman sounded to me like we were going to go like dress up at a street festival (laughs) (laughs) and throw tomatoes at people. But then as I thought about it more, I'm like, I bet that's not what she's getting at. So what were you getting at when you picked Renaissance woman? So uh, the definition of a Renaissance woman is that this is a person, and in this case, a woman of many talents and areas of knowledge. It is something that is near and dear to my heart, and I would like to think that I'm striving towards being a Renaissance woman. Um, it, it, uh, I started to think about it in this way when I realized, I actually discovered the term polymath. Um, and, and then I read an article about a polymath and I was like, oh my God, that's me. Um, and, and they kind of are equivalent terms, right? So a polymath is a person who excels across a really diverse range of areas and, and, um, is essentially a synonym. And these are, um, if, when you look it up throughout history, you see that, they describe these Renaissance men, because that's a lot of what's described in history, Renaissance people or polymaths throughout the years are like Benjamin Franklin and Leonardo da Vinci. And I, I, I realized as I was reading through this definition and these examples, I'm like, where are the women? And you, you look at a lot of the female physicians that are out there today, and we we are truly Renaissance women because, uh, you know, many of us are moms. Not everybody is, but that's okay. Some of us are dog moms. Some of us are cat moms. So that's totally fine. But 
you look at what we're expected to do in terms of excelling in our career and also being moms and parents and spouses, significant others, and having our own interests. And, and really, we are Renaissance women. And so I feel pretty passionate about sharing with whether it is when I speak to a group of high school students or I speak to women in the community, I like to talk about what does it mean to be a Renaissance woman? What does it mean to be a polymath? Why it's okay and why we should strive towards that. Absolutely. I know just following you because I definitely lurk you on um, LinkedIn <laughs> that you, you do do a lot of different things. You have a lot of different roles and a lot of different colors into your life. Tell our audience a little bit about that and how that makes you, you. Sure. Um, I guess I'll go back a little bit for some background. Um, I, I took a really non-traditional route to, to medicine. I, went to UCLA as an undergraduate. I got into uh, my, I went into my first class. There were 600 people in bio 101 or whatever it was called. And I thought for the wrong reasons, Hey, I'm going to go to medical school. Cause that's, I guess what my parents want me to do. And without putting a lot of thought into it. And I rapidly got weeded out. I ended up being a psych major. I had a wonderful time in college. They were my formative years. I'm glad it, I ended up doing it that way but um, I did not go right into medicine. I had kind of a diverse postgraduate experience in which my first job was in the snowboard industry. I had no prior training or experience in business and or marketing or sales, but I took this like minimum wage marketing and sales job. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. I made like almost no money, but I got to travel a little bit. I met different people. And it was, it was a great experience. And then I spent a couple of years um, organizing conferences for somebody who does uh, Chinese medicine in Qigong, so something totally different than what I'm doing now. And in that role, I got to interface with people of all different backgrounds. I actually learned a lot about the foundations of Chinese medicine. I even had a little bit of acupuncture training during that time. Um, which I don't practice now, but I, I think it's a valuable part of just me being my well-rounded self. And um, through that process and learning a little bit about that aspect of medicine, the complementary medicine, I sort of came full circle and came back to wanting to go into medicine again. And that's when I did all my post-bac classes. I was working full-time and I pieced together all these requirements, took the MCAT, got into med school as what they would call a non-traditional student because I was almost 30. So um, I ended up going into medicine at that point and discovered orthopedics, fell in love with it um, and pursued that. But as I have been kind of plugging along with clinical practice and simultaneously being a mom and a wife and trying to keep up with my personal interests. Over the last year or two, I realized that there was a creative part of me that wasn't being used. And that's when I started to explore all these other things that, that you probably saw that I do. Um, I have a lot of irons in the fire. And sometimes I wonder if it's too much, but I feel like that they all play a really important role in my life and my overall mental well-being. And so I have gotten into 
uh, more public speaking. I speak to groups of all ages, groups of different sizes, and I do talk a little, I, I talk about the musculoskeletal stuff. And so I will talk about injury prevention. I'll talk about ACL injuries, but I also talk about this concept of becoming a Renaissance woman and what that means um, and realizing your full potential while doing so. Um, and I also am involved in a side business with skincare. I am a Rodan and, Full, uh, Rodan and Field, excuse me, Rodan and Fields consultant. And because that is a side interest of mine, it's always been a personal interest of mine. I happen to get connected with a, a group of wonderful ladies uh, who are consultants for the business, and that's been a really fun part of what I do as well. So got a lot of things going on. I have my, my website and I blog and I write and I try to make some videos and, and these all sort of feed my need to use up my creative energy. Absolutely. And I think it's so important how I tell people all this, because I am also a woman with many irons in the fire, is that <laughs> I say envision like a tapestry. You know, and if you just have a few threads of a few different colors, yeah, it's still a beautiful tapestry and you can still have an amazing pictures. But for me, that is what really brings the energy and the life into me is having all these different colors have a little bit of glitter here, a little bit of black there, a little hot pink, orange pops of colors on all the different activities I do. Because for me, and I think I hear this in you as well, is that then your life is not centralized around one single thing. Because I think when we put all of our eggs in a basket, so to speak, then when that basket kind of breaks down, you're like, well, holy hell, now what do I do? Yeah. And too many times I think medicine consumes people's life to the point that I felt like uh, several years ago when I was going through burnout that medicine let me down and because yes. I had put all the eggs in the basket and when things got rough, it got really rough because I didn't have anything else to kind of fall back on. Exactly. I am in full agreement with that because it... I think that when you don't diversify and I'm not even people often think of diversification in terms of investment and whatnot, but, but really part of this talk of being a Renaissance person or Renaissance woman is diversification of your energies, right? And having your fingers on a lot of different things um, actually makes you a better person. I think it makes you a better person. It makes you be a better parent to your child. It makes you be a better doctor to your patient. Um, it, it, these are all things that I think are important to feed, to feed your soul. And if, if you do that, then it makes you more successful in all those different areas of life that you participate in. And don't you feel like it kind of comes as ebb and flow? Like there's some projects that take a, like a larger quantity and then they'll ebb off and then kind of new things or things that were kind of on the back burner then come up. And it's kind of neat to see how that shifts. Right. I would agree. Absolutely. In what ways have you seen that in your own life with those shifts? Well, um, well, I think I, I'd be in the middle of a shift right now because um, it, it, for a lot of uh, physicians who are in procedural fields, or, or even not really, the end of the year is crazy busy. 
all the patients have met their deductibles. And so everyone's trying to get those elective surgeries on. And so it ends up being clinically one of the busier, busier times of the year. And so there's a little bit of ebb and flow. I may not put in as much time to some of the other projects that I'm working on because this is taking up a little bit more of my day to day. And as as the clinical work kind of ebbs and flows, then I can shift a little more attention into project A, which may be the skincare, or project B, which may be my writing and producing some videos uh, for my online platforms. So I, I fully agree with you with that. And, and it takes a lot of flexibility um, to be able to do that. Um, it's, it takes some practice to not be rigid about it. And I would, I have to remind myself this, and I remind the listeners too, like, you got to give somewhere. You cannot give 100% into all of those areas of life, because then you have nothing left at the end of the day. You're going in the negative for yourself, because I'm that type of person. I'm like, pedal to the metal, everything. And so it's been a huge lesson for myself to be like, okay, what needs to happen today versus what do I want to happen today and what maybe needs to go on the back burner for a little while. Absolutely. I, I am a chronic overscheduler. And so I I'm like always looking at my calendar and, and it'll be like, okay, from two to two 15, I'm doing this. And then from two 15 to two 45. And, and I still do that to a certain extent, but I will sometimes fall victim to overscheduling my downtime, my days off. And um, yesterday was a good example of how I combat that. And I actually will just make myself schedule a nothing block. You know, and it's not absolutely, absolutely. Oh my God, I you got to talk more on this because when I started that exact exercise, where I made myself take. I, I call it my do nothing time. Like I have an hour that is a do nothing. Like, and yeah. when I say do nothing, it really is not do nothing, but it's yeah. do something that has no productivity value to it whatsoever. No laundry, no house chores, no working on the business, no medicine. Like it's my <laughs> do nothing hour. And sometimes you do yeah. have to take a full day to kind yeah. of do that. And you have to for me, I almost had to learn how to forgive myself and know that this is healthy. So tell me more about your, your scheduling time. So here's an example. Um, so yesterday I made sure I really didn't have a whole lot on the calendar. I knew that in the evening, this is a whole nother side story. I knew that last night I had this sumo wrestling match to go to with my husband. <laughs> and so I made sure I uh, blocked that off. But the rest of the day was very unstructured. I made sure I didn't put anything else on my calendar. It was a, it was a mommy and son day because my husband was working during the day. But it was glorious. We were in pajamas until 1 p.m. And I had zero guilt about it. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and we kind of just rolled around in the morning, you know, kind of pattered around the house, made some breakfast and took our time eating. I didn't rush to make him brush his teeth because in the mornings we have a school age kid. It's like rush, rush, rush. We got to get out the house. I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's like, mommy, can I please brush my teeth after breakfast? I'm like, sure. And he's looking at me like, what? 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we just, it, and it, it totally recharges you because I'm, I'm probably a little similar to you in that it's just like, go, go, go all the time. And it was okay that we were sort of not productive. It was productive in being unproductive because it, it recharged me. Yeah. Like I think so many times we set an expectation on our day of, of being productive or getting so much done or checking off the to-do list. But when you really learn how to set the expectation of just relax, just enjoy today. Yeah. Stay in the pajamas forever. We had a day not too long ago where I told my husband, I'm like, okay, we've really hammered down on the kids. Like they had gotten in trouble. So we took away like everything, tablets, toys, everything. Like they were down to like sticks and rocks to play with. And so <laughs> as, <laughs> as a reward, I was like, okay, we can watch. It was, I think a Saturday. I was like, we can watch TV. Now mommy's going to do other things like, like pick up decorations, but you guys can consume as much TV as you want. And it was amazing. Like after only about, I don't know, like three or four shows, they were like, mommy, we're bored. What else can we do? But I had set the expectation up as like, okay, here we go. And so I was okay with it, even though I was a little bit freaking out inside. I'm not going to lie because I really try to monitor screen time. Right. But then when they walked away from it and they like went and played with their regular toys and I, my oldest son, he like was reading a library book and I was like, okay, okay, we're not doing too bad on this parenting thing. I just <laughs> got to let a little bit of control down a little bit. That is a parenting win right there. Yes. <laughs> that they walked away from it. Because they do act like little crack addicts sometimes, those stupid tablets. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You got to, yes. So anyway, that's one thing that I'm very big about with my kids, talking about like being a Renaissance woman, is like trying to foster other interests in my kids because I even had, I have a seven-year-old as well. And mm -hmm. I was talking about how life happens outside of the screen. And so yeah. then I was like, well, what do you like to do? And, and so we started talking about other things that are a lot of fun and really cool besides playing our Kindles. Yeah. And it was a good discussion because then I think he got to see, oh yeah, I like to read books and I like to do other things. And because... Mm -hmm. We can, we can, we can get uber consumed in one area. Yeah. And, and it's not just the kids in the screen time. Like I, I find that I'm super guilty of it. And so it takes work on my part to make sure I am not picking up the phone when we are sitting down eating. And so we really try to have a no phone, no screen at the dinner table, or even if we're at the kitchen counter, it's like just to set the phone down somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a challenge for me, even in, as an adult and a parent, because I'm part of my, part of my complete picture here is that I am trying to work on my digital platforms and my website and the blogging and keep up with social media so that I can put my messages and my images on there the way that I want to. And that means being on a screen. And so there is definitely a, a little bit of a balance that has to be struck where, where I'm still achieving my goals with what I'm trying to do with my digital platform, but at the same time, not allowing that to affect my relationships with my family and, or the quality time with my family and also setting an example that mommy is not constantly glued to a phone. Yeah, absolutely. 
struggle. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a struggle. I know one thing, cause I'm similar to that with my life coaching business is like, if people are messaging me or I'm like, Oh, I need to post. I found, and they don't have any sponsorship or anything into the, the podcast or anything, but buffer is a really great thing that yeah. you can register all your social media sites on for any of our listeners. And then it will like auto pop out your posts whenever you want them. And that was a game changer in my life because then I didn't feel like, Oh my God, I need to be like putting stuff out on social media, I just get it all teed up and then it just yeah. woof, works its magic and goes out on it. Now, right. occasionally you still want to put like your own fun stuff that happens in the moment, but that was a yeah. big thing that definitely helped. I know in ours. And the other thing for me was having a family docking station where we mm -hmm. actually put all of our devices at night or when it's time for them to go up. And, yeah. um, Another huge one, so I do retreats as well with a digital detox because we're now uh, finding that people are having physical withdrawal symptoms when their technology is withdrawn from them. And so mm -hmm. I have really incorporated that to my women in the wild retreats where I just tell people ahead of time, like, nope, we're not going to have anything. We go old school and have like the throwaway disposable cameras to take pictures. That's awesome. Yes, that because they awesome. still want to capture it, but you know, so many times we say, oh, we got to take our phone, but we're not really taking pictures. You know, like we get on it and we're cruising the internet or social media sites, yeah. or whatever. So I've gone back old school with disposable cameras and um, it's been so fun. It's part of the gift pact when people come on oh. my retreats and I, it's amazing how many comments people get. They're like, oh, I miss that little crunchy sound whenever you roll the film. <laughs> You know, um, that, that reminds me over the weekend, I was listening to the radio and it was, um, NPR's wait, wait, don't tell me. And they were talking about, um, this service or this company in South Korea that has uh, taken an old jail and created a jail retreat. So you pay to go to jail and give up all your electronic devices and be locked in, in isolation with somebody sliding you your meal tray under the door. And people are like, this is so relaxing. It's so funny. I was cracking up. It's a real thing. I know. What's well, so much funner in Indiana and doing it my way, but instead of going to jail, but anyway, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean because you walk away from that time when you have disconnected and had more reflection time within yourself. You've had to be quiet with your own thoughts. You've had mm -hmm. to talk to people, which I feel like that's something that's huge in our culture is that our communication has just totally changed from being eyeball to eyeball to be, yes. you know, LOL to LOL over messaging. And so, um, I do. I think that's going to be a shift that we're going to see over the next couple of years that, that we're, we are craving that. We all want that human connection and mm -hmm. we kind of want to get away from our blue screens every so often. One of the things that I have tried and I, I unfortunately haven't done this as regularly as I would like to, and this is going to sound like incredibly super hippie crunchy, um, which is uh, great because I'm living here in Portland, right? Um, it um it is this uh float tank have you heard of float tanks i have i have yeah so i have tried that like maybe two or three times and you know for someone who's kind of somewhat addicted to technology i'm such like a gadget person it's it was so great now um a lot of them 
have a hatch that close and so you're floating for those who have not tried this it's basically a very warm hyper salinated bath and you float in there with your swimsuit or or not or whatever and and you have like an hour of just quiet um and you you can't see anything you feel like you're floating in space and people say that they have these genius epiphanies these creative epiphanies sometimes when they're floating in there detached to their technology now for some of the people who are a little more claustrophobic they do have some open air ones i found out but i i fortunately do okay with it and so i'm like okay i'm all in i'm going to close the hatch and just let it go dark and it was really great i came out refreshed I was in this kind of half sleep, half wake state. I definitely wasn't fully asleep, but I was definitely not fully awake. And I just found my mind drifting and I actually came out of it feeling like, okay, I am ready to tackle my day. I have all these great ideas and now I just got to get them down pen to paper or on my phone or whatever. Right. It was interesting. I've, I've actually, there's one that just opened up not too far from us and one my best friend, she went and did it and that's what she was talking about. Um, she teaches yoga as well and she kind of knows my, um, limitation with Shavasana. I'm like the worst student <laughs> at the end of yoga because <laughs> I'm like twitching. I'm like ready to look at the clock. Like I just have a really hard time with that. And so that's been a really huge challenge of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, being silent and, and listening. Mm -hmm. And she had the kind of a similar experience to that, that like it just really makes you focus on, in on what's happening inside of that little pod that you were in. Yeah. So I don't For know, sure. I'm maybe going to have to like figure this stuff out. I mean, I always well, enjoy a float in the bathtub, but uh, yeah. now well, I'm going to have to go try this. You sound like you function a little bit like me, so I think you probably would like it. <laughs> probably be beneficial. So um, I will add, though, that it has been known to push people on the brink of psychosis into psychosis. So, you know, I would not advise if, if anyone listening is on the brink of psychosis, maybe hold on. <laughs> maybe, maybe <Yeah>. not do that. <laughs> Oh, Lord. God love us. We also diagnose ourselves. I could go into so yeah. much about that, too. All the time. <laughs> well, this has been such great conversation today. If any of the listeners want to know more about all the different irons in the fire that you're doing, what's the best way for them to contact you or follow you? Okay, so um, I am on the web two places. One is my website where it's, it's essentially my home base and has links to what I do for speaking, etc. links to how to get a hold of me for clinical reasons. And that is www.nancyyenshipleymd.com. I've actually, just because my name is so freaking long, I also, it also goes to the same place, nancymd.com. So much shorter, much less of a mouse. A mouthful. Um, my Rodan and Field site is nancymd.myrnf.com. I am also on Instagram as well as Twitter as at underscore nancymd. And I am on LinkedIn, Nancy and Chipley MD, as well as Facebook, Nancy MD. That's like so many platforms, but hey, that's just 
that's that's just me. <laughs> Beautiful. We will put all of those in the show notes so that people can pick exactly which one that they um, want to click on and follow you because I I love following your feeds and everything that you're doing and putting out there. I just think you're a total badass. And so oh, I think other people will enjoy it as well. Well, thank you so much, Renaissance Woman. We're going to have to do this again. And any parting words for our listeners? I would say make sure you ask yourselves and the people around you, why not when you're thinking of doing something and you have inner doubt, that inner voice is telling you, oh, I don't know if I should do that. Ask yourself, why not? I I, I like to tell my students and other listeners I speak to uh, that all the time. I think it's great advice and it's it's taken me, um, helped me break through some barriers as well. So Awesome. Do you resonate with being a Renaissance woman? I absolutely do. And I'm so glad that Dr. Yen Shipley shared her own kind of tapestry of what she's doing and all the different talents and crafts and different things that she is doing with all of her different eggs in the basket. I would love to hear from you all. What are you doing? Where in your life do you express your creativity? Where do you have several different threads that come together? And what really lights your fire? I would love to hear about that. Now, if you're a person where you're like, I'm just working and I'm just surviving, then what I would encourage you to do is to think back what previously in your life brought you a lot of joy. Was it a certain activity? Was it a hobby? Was it a certain form of movement? Maybe it was something in the arts like um, dance or singing or um, anything like that. I want you to think back and see how maybe you can do just five minutes of that. Somewhere in your day, just find five minutes where you can incorporate that into your life. And I want you to see if it still holds true that same flair of passion that it did before. Maybe it does. Then you know you need to keep doing it. Maybe adding like another five minutes, 10 minutes a day. Maybe it doesn't though. Because sometimes we do grow. We grow out of hobbies. We change. We modify. And that's absolutely okay. And I guess the fun of it is just playing around and seeing what do I need in my life? What creative outlet do I need right now that I need to bring in and incorporate? Now, you know, because our schedules are so packed full, I remind you instead of saying, well, I don't have time for that. And instead, switch it over to saying, it's not a priority. Mm, Good, isn't it, right? Because so many times when we say, oh, thanks, but I don't have time for that. It's not that we don't have time. It's just not a priority on the list of things that can fill our time. So if one of these creative outlets really does light you up, you're like, well, I don't have time. Mm -mm. Say, well, it's not really a priority. But wait, maybe it is a priority. So therefore, you need to make some changes to fit just a little moment in. Even if it's just taking a five-minute break, I really encourage you to do this because it can make all the difference in your life and your practice.